five drive. Catch up. Congratulations on the series. What has the response been like so far, especially from fellow Africans? Thank you so much. And the response has been great. You know, um, I've been seeing the uh, conversations online. I bumped into a few people who have been like, yo, this is the content we waited for. People asking me about the mythology, saying, yeah, but hold on, how this, you know. Um, and it's just been really exciting to see. Yeah, you just dream of how people respond to something. So it's really been exciting to just hear the different points of view, uh, see how they're relating to the characters and the actors. It's just been beautiful, and I feel really, really blessed. And again, thank you to Netflix for, you know, taking a shot on a, on a story like this. Absolutely. I think you did an amazing job, by the way. And, you know, you. we see a lot of Greek, Roman, Western mythology out there in mainstream films and series. So it is really, really cool and different and amazing and refreshing to see an African supernatural series. What does it mean no to you? Yeah, yeah. Um, what does it mean to you that the Brave Ones is streaming across 190 countries in the world? It's an amazing, amazing dream come true. And I, and and you know, just li like you said, I'm a big fan of African mythology. You know, I uh, through the years, you know, in terms of the origins of this story, started when I was a child. When I was a child, and the teacher introduced us to the idea of African gods and these African stories, or the stories my father. And my late mom, rest her soul, would tell my brother and my sister and I. And so I've always wanted to do something like this. And so, and so, one, to be able to do it. And two, that it goes to the whole world. I mean, you know, some of the comments coming from Brazil, coming from, you know, Latin America. It's really, really, really beautiful. Um, and just so humbling, but just like, wow, you know, I'm just so humble, you know, and just feel so blessed and, and, and fortunate. I can imagine it feels that way even more so because I believe you had this idea since you were like 12 years old. What sparked that idea? So what sparked the idea was, uh, you know, like I said, this teacher said, you know, let me tell you about the gods. And he was talking about the Yoruba pantheon of gods. And I went home that day and I drew a picture of like a guy with big muscles and fire coming out of his, <laughs> fire coming out of his nose. And that just started a journey of, of of reading these stories, lots of novelists, you know, Ben Okri, all these guys who write, Wale Shoinka, all of these guys who write in that sort of metaphysical space. And every bookshop I went to, I'd always buy a book on African, my bookshop, my bookshelf is full of books that just like African mythology, mythology. And, you know, just loving what those stories are. So so for me, that was that was the spark. And then when the opportunity came, What's your own version of that, you know? What's your contribution to those things? And, you know, there are a few other films um, that, that have played in the space and other African directors, people like Wanuri, who made a short film called Pumzi, which is also set in the future. You know, there's a Cameroonian filmmaker, Jean-Pierre Becolo, who's done this kind of... So the thing is that it's not... The, 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 those, those projects are out there. But on the scale we're talking about, we just haven't really seen anything. You know, there's a lot of exciting stuff in Nigeria, South African graphic novels, Kenyans, you know. So every, there's, there's versions of this everywhere. So I, I wanted to just put my humble, like this is my, this is my contribution to this, to this sort of genre. And again, with Netflix, just like, yeah, just like, yeah, you, you, when you start to feel the power of like the stories can reach, and I think that's the difference, the story can reach out so somebody, you can say to someone in Brazil, go check this out. 
you can say to someone in the US, go check this out. And that that really is the difference. And it's just a it's just a just a really humbling it's just like a mind blowing uh, it's mind blowing, yeah. I love that you said when you were younger you drew this um man with big muscles. Um and that's represented now in the form of a woman in the lead character of yes. this series, which is the yes. coolest thing ever. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? Well, you know, from the beginning, we wanted it to. We wanted uh, it was always going to be a. It was always going to be a woman because that's where it all starts from for me. And then, and then the sort of mythological figures we were inspired by were these strong. Uh, you know, where these strong, where these strong, like, uh, woman characters of our mythology. And so that was not, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was always going to be like that. You know what I mean? It was, it was, it was just like instinctual and just made sense. Uh, a lot of those c- characters, if you look at, you know, someone had said it reminded her of Queen Mujaji. You know what I mean? Like you've got, um, you've got Oya in the Yoruba pantheon. You've just got so many powerful figures. And we just felt in Siki should speak to that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And the visual effects look absolutely incredible. What was it like working with visual effects and then seeing the final product afterwards? It was great working with visual effects because, <clears throat> you know, you want to make sure the one thing we kept saying was like we wanted to stay grounded, like you got to ground it. It needs to feel real. It needs to feel part of the environment. And we had a great team. You know, um, we had a great team and, and it was just great collaborating them because you have these ideas in your head. So you're like, hey, this is the world we want to create. And I had all these references and stuff. And then they bring their ideas and like, this is what's possible. And then you have the actors coming in, some of them doing their own stunts. Um, it's just really, really amazing. I have to say it, it was it was just great to be able to create those worlds and see where we started to where we ended up. Um, and yeah, man. Just, just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Can you paint a picture of what the behind the scenes looked like? Was it a, like a green screen with props and things, or how did that work? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was green screen. You know, it was the, it was the thing of like, just imagine this is gonna be like this, and then you show someone the picture, like it's gonna be like this. You're gonna be like this, um, and I think a lot of the actors were able to respond to that. But then when they, you know, when they came in and they saw what we had done. They were like, oh, we, you know what I mean? Like it all, it all sort of comes together, but they were all game. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of green screen, but, but with sort of like, this is what we're going for. So this is what it's going to look like. Um, and a lot of those concepts evolved, but, but really it was, it was, it was, uh, they were all excited. It was fun. It was fun. It's a lot of hard work, but it was, it was fun. I can imagine. And, and going back to Nsiki as the, the main character, um, Sandile Nkosi was really, really awesome. And she plays the lead character. What was she like to work with? Was she what you envision, envisioned in that role? Oh, yes, she was amazing. And uh, shout out to Terry Petro, casting director, who you know put this incredible cast together. And when, when I first saw Sandile's tape, I was like, yeah, that's the one. And the thing about her that's great, and we were why we were so fortunate is what you want to work with is you want to work with actors who have emotional intelligence and who say yes to the process and they're down and committed. And she was so committed. And I think when your lead is like that, everybody is, you know what I'm saying? You know, so she, she learned how to swim because we had to do the rebirth uh, uh, section. Not a lot of people would do that. Um, 
there wasn't anything. She did everything. She threw her life, her soul into it. Uh, I would bat for her any day. She's just an amazing, amazing actress, amazing person. And we are so lucky to have had her, to have her on The Brave One. That's awesome. And again, I mean, you've been in the industry for so long. You've been on amazing productions with Disney, uh, Netflix, of course, Prime Video as well. Um, you just continue to create incredible work. But um, what are your thoughts when it comes to streaming services versus old school cinema when releasing your work? Well, I think, I think that, you know, for me, I don't, I look at it this way. If you if you take all the time to make a story, you want people to see it. And I think that what I appreciate about the streaming platform is like, as we're saying, 190 people, 190 countries, 190 people, 190 <laughs> countries can see, can see your work. That's key, which is the distribution aspect. And so for filmmakers like myself who come more from the independent side of things, and the, and, and 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 again. It's about how do people see your work? And unfortunately, you know, a lot of times those theatrical spaces were used to keep people out. So, so why a lot of filmmakers embrace the streaming uh, market is that they're about letting people see the work. And for the most part, unless you're making the work for your, for your, for your family, you want people to see it. So for me, I was all in. And, you know, Netflix is a, dis is a, is a disruptor to the space. I was already a fan long before they came to the continent because you could see what they were doing and how they've influenced the game, you know? And the key thing for us is that people get to see our work. I love going to the cinema. I like the idea of, 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 of films in the cinematic space. But you know what I also like? I like the idea of people seeing the work. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. It feels like it's a lot more accessible, which is great. Absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and I don't... I'm just one of those that go, you want people to see your work. So anything that's creating a barrier to people seeing the work, I, I'm, not, I'm just not down with. So I think that there's a, there's a middle ground for all the stuff. What the streaming platforms, especially Netflix, have done is they've created a space where your work can be accessible beyond the people that you've made it for in the country that you've made it for. Mm. And that in itself is a revolutionary act. And that in itself, as you can see how it has changed the game. So, so the idea that, you know, there, there would be a time, there used to be a time, you say I've been around long enough, so you know. <laughs> there used to be a time when they were like, where can we see your work? And now you're like, oh, no, let me get you. Now, you just tell someone, I just made a new show. Where is it? It's on Netflix. Oh, great. And then they click and they can watch your show. Then you can have a conversation about the work. And it's not like I've got to dig through millions of crates to find the old beta cam tape and try and change it and send you a link, you know? Yeah. It's just a beautiful time. And I, and I appreciate that because trust me, <laughs> we've been there with the, okay, let me try and get you. Let me see if I can get you there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and even with stuff showing in festivals and stuff, it's just like, it's difficult to um, watch it again when you've watched it at a festival or you're looking, you know it was at a festival and you can't find it later. Yeah. That's the truth. And, you know, those festivals are always great, especially for independent filmmakers. You need the festivals to get you out there. So, and, so, and, and yeah, you're right. I would go to a festival, you see a great film, and you're like, man, I wish I could see that film again. And then, and then, and then um, it's gone. And what 
platforms like Netflix do is a lot of those films end up on the platform. You know, a lot of the catalog of a lot of, especially African filmmakers, are on Netflix. So suddenly, that film you read about, you can actually go watch it. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing for me. You have to have access to the content. Um, and that's what's exciting. Absolutely. Can you tell us about um, some of the filming locations? I saw Joburg in there and a bunch of other places. Yeah, you know, Joburg as the as the as the city of gold, you know, you know, walking, walking, as Amu says in his lyrics, you know, walking, the people who live in Joburg, when they walk on gold, it makes Joburg the rowdiest place. So, you know, <laughs> um, always love Joburg as a character, always love the textures of that city and the different stories of the city. So we really wanted to, again, locate it and root it. So as you say, you know, uh, the offices of the corporation are in Samson, you know, the, um, you know, um, you know, we're in Siki, you know, we, we're, in, we're in the town area, that sort of, um, you know, those urban or, or, or urban spaces in town, your new town. And obviously there's the township of Ilanga, which is made up of, you know, which is, which is where our character comes from. And so, and so, yeah, we really wanted to, to try and, again, root it, root it in a Johannesburg that hopefully is relatable. But the only difference is in this Johannesburg, there's people who can throw people up against the wall. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool that you, you're talking about roots. And obviously the show, um, The Tree of Life, is such a huge part of the, the series. Um, my team and I are actually on a heritage tour for Heritage Month. Uh, going around the country and just sort of highlighting oh, nice. the gems of South Africa. Um, so what... Ah, lovely. Yeah, it's it's really, really cool. And it's amazing to see the country and to share it with people. Um, because it's Heritage Month, how do you celebrate your heritage with your work that you create? Well, always trying to... And that's great, that what you're doing. I think that's truly important. Um you know, I had an opportunity to travel all over South Africa once to, on a job. And you just, the country, you know, it's just such a beautiful country. And so many, so many pockets alive, you know, just so, so great. So that's great to do that. So for me, as a storyteller, like I say, we're trying to give the kaleidoscope of my experience. You're trying to say, we're this, but we're also this. And we also have this. And hold on, there's also this. So I've always tried in my work from a heritage point of view, from an African point of view, to show the kaleidoscope of the stories. If you look at everything I've done, everything is not, you know, because people always like to say, oh, is that how it is? And we're like, yeah, this story takes place here. This is what's happening here. But if you do another story in Joburg, this is what's happening over here. So I think I always say it all the time, um, is to present the kaleidoscope of the African experience. And that's how, for me, the heritage, uh, that's how I look at it, you know? Yeah, and it's important to you to keep your Nigerian roots as well. Well, all the roots, you know, I'm 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 half Nigerian. Uh, you know, my late mom, rest her soul, was from Barbados. Um, you know, South Africa's home for thirty years, and you know what I'm saying. So it's like I truly believe that you know in the African experience, like because that's the experience that I've had, and there's the diasporic experience from the West Indian side as well. So. Uh, again, the kaleidoscope of that experience um, and to be able to tap into all those heritages to be able to, again, present to people the complexity of our of our stories and, and characters and, 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 and stuff like that. 
Mm, awesome. And what would you say to other young filmmakers out there who would also love to go down the route of filmmaking? I always tell everyone that just remember, it's not a hundred meter dash. It's a, it's a marathon. So if you can think about how, like if you and I, 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 mean, I don't know about your marathon aspirations, but if we wanted to run a marathon, we, we couldn't, if the marathon was on Saturday, we couldn't start running it now. We'd have to, it would take us a year to get ready. And I think I always encourage younger filmmakers and storytellers to just think about it as a marathon. If you think about it as a marathon, if you understand what it takes for a marathon runner to prepare, that's the film industry. It's not a 100 meter dash, it's a marathon. And if you love it and you have passion for it, it'll give you rewards in ways that you yourself don't even understand. So that's what I always, that's what I always tell people. That's so true. I, yeah, I, that's really inspirational. Thank you. I'm going to use that in my everyday life as well. <laughs> you must, you must. It was told to me by an older filmmaker. So an older filmmaker told me that it's like, it's a marathon. And when, and when he said that, I was like, I get it. I get it. And, and that's the truth. You can't cut corners. If you want to run the marathon, there's some things those folks do before they can run it. And then even within that, um, you know, the former president, Tabo Mbeki, has that great quote, which I, also, which I also like, which is that those who complete the task, like the marathon runner, he uses that metaphor, you, you only compete it when you've convinced yourself that the incline is not too steep, that the prize itself is not of, of doubtful value, but that there's something to aim for. So that marathon metaphor for me, from that old, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's how I continue. And that's what I try to share to people. Like, that's what it is. I love that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, no doubt. I, I assume you can't tell us, but is there any sign <laughs> of a season two? <laughs> you're, de- you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, we're hoping, <laughs> we want audiences to keep on, <laughs> we want audiences to keep on watching and, and, and interviews like this help. If people can watch and, and 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 I hope they love it, you know. What I would say is enjoy the series. And um, you know, we we all hope for the best and we hope we can visit these characters again. But I'm also somebody that lives in the moment, you know. And in this moment, at this time that I'm talking to you, uh, Nadia, the show is out in the world and people are watching it, and that's what's special and that's what's important, you know. Tomorrow mm-hmm. tomorrow is not promised, um, but today is and so in this moment uh, enjoy the brave ones and uh and uh we hope that we can come back and do it all again but in the meantime let's just enjoy this moment this is where we are at in the marathon this is where we're at in the marathon <laughs> lap one this yeah. is lap one <laughs> <laughs> awesome akeen thank you so much i really appreciate your time and the brave ones thank is you. really really cool and i really i can't wait to see more of your work as always looking forward to uh, hopefully a season two i'm with you man i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time as well and good luck with the rest of the tour it's a truly amazing and uh, yeah all the best thank you i appreciate that a lot thank you very much Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's catch-up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.za.